You're listening to the New City Church Podcast. These episodes are recorded live on Gadigal land. Sometimes the audio quality might not be perfect because what you're listening to is a conversation. We don't edit out the chatter and we think that's what makes it authentic. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you find this episode encouraging. Not have met. My name's Steph. I'm one of the co-pastors here. My pronouns are they, them. Uh, tonight, Reraveled Yarns, a series about deconstructing and reconstructing Christian faith. Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, having panel discussions to hear the stories of some of our wonderful uh, members of this community. Um, and I'm hoping that this series will give voice to some of the experiences that maybe some of us might be feeling alone in, uh, that it might be a source of connection and just kind of bringing things to the fore. Uh, and also just a positive contribution to what seems to be quite a global movement of people questioning and deconstructing and reconstructing and asking questions around uh, Christian faith. Um, and outside of that, the panel leads the way. Um, we may have more questions than answers. Wow. Uh, and we'll get comfortable with that, hopefully. Um, our topics over the next four weeks, why deconstruct or reconstruct? Then we're going to be talking about uh, disembodied faith and connecting with ourselves again. In week three, we're going to talk about navigating doubt, questions and uncertainty. And in week four, reconstructing and stepping back in. Um, there's a number of beautiful, wonderful people who have volunteered to be part of these discussions, but I just wanted to flag, if you still want to be part of it, there's still time. Uh, but tonight, why deconstruct or reconstruct? Uh, many of us share the experience of reaching a point where, for a variety of reasons, our faith uh, didn't stand up to criticism anymore. We were left with holes or gaps uh, for some of us, that was accompanied by deep pain, realising that what, what we'd been so passionate about and what had been the source of purpose for us for years now kind of felt incompetent or wrong or we realised ways it was hurting us or hurting others um, or we realised being part of the church left us wanting more uh, and some of us lost a lot of community in that process. So we start this re-raveled series asking the question, why do people deconstruct or reconstruct their Christian faith? And secondly, what can we learn from these stories? And so on that note, I want to turn to the wonderful panel who have joined us tonight. Peter, welcome. <laughs> Jess, welcome. And Raven, welcome. <laughs> uh, let's dive right in. Um, yeah. So is there an experience or maybe a few experiences that you can remember that prompted you to question your faith in a deep way? A experience or a, a few experiences that prompted your questioning? Amazing. Um, yeah, so I feel like deconstruction for me is something that I've kind of done slowly and then all at once. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's been anyone else's experience, but for me, I was a very, I'm, I'm a very curious and questioning person just innately. And so I feel like I was always going, why, why? To so many different things, not just faith. I was doing it in maths class and my maths teacher was very confused. Um, but, but yeah, so I feel like through, through most of um, my life growing up in church, I was asking a lot more questions than perhaps the, the average Christian kid was and, and was asking a lot of questions about faith. Um, but I think there were also a lot of things that I took for granted and perhaps didn't realise I could ask questions about or didn't think to ask questions about. Um, and there was a point that came when I realised I was queer and there was suddenly a whole raft of things that I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, this throws into question a whole bunch of, of things that I've just kind of assumed that were true and were right and were good and now that's kind of been thrown out the window and I have to go, well, well if this is no longer the case or if this is no longer certain, then where, where do I find this truth? How do I figure out what is right, what is true and, and what is good? Um, and yeah, that's kind of what kick-started that sort of whole process for me. Yeah. Seeing a lot of nods from you, Jess. Yep. Uh, I definitely resonate with the, it was a really long process and then everything happened all at once. Um, unlike Raven though, I was not, I'm not a natural questioner. I'm very happy in the status quo. Um, probably what's in some ways started my journey was my dad went through a pretty intense deconstruction um, when I was in uni. And that was a bit of a shock having grown up in a very conservative evangelical family. Um, and my dad is also someone that I really respect. And so then the idea that he could deconstruct his faith was the first time to me that it was a possibility that that could happen. It still didn't really start my process because I was very comfortable, um, but I think it opened up that possibility. Um, but something that really shifted things for me is that I had kind of developed this view of God that was very Old Testament, I think. <laughs> like I spent a lot of my Christian journey striving to please this God who I was in many ways kind of terrified of. Like, I don't think I would have, if someone asked me, I wouldn't be like, oh, God is terrifying and wrathful. But when you look at my actions and the way that I related to him, that's what I thought. Um, and so I had a moment about five years ago where I finally realized that God wasn't actually like that. Like, it was quite a profound moment of God is so loving and so accepting of me where I'm at right now in my fragility and humanity. And as soon as I had that moment, then all of a sudden, all of the Old Testament passages about God and his balance and all of this stuff, all of a sudden I was like, I ha wait, this doesn't make sense anymore. I can't sit with this, what I currently experience of God. And when everyone's telling me, yeah, yeah, God is that loving, but also accept that he's going to, you know, wipe out an entire nation of people, like that's also fine. That's also loving. And I, that, I found that really hard to sit with once I actually had that experience. Um, but I still couldn't fully, uh, fully deconstruct at that point because I was living in a Christian missions community and my entire identity, life, work, relationships was tied up in that and it terrified me to think about letting that go. Um, and so then the thing that finally got me over the line was when I realized that actually kind of keeping all of that down um, and sort of hiding a bunch of those questions and particularly for me around you know, my queerness um, was actually causing me a lot of harm. 
Um, and I got to a point where I realized, like, I could, like, why am I causing myself so much harm to fight for something that I actually don't believe in? Um, where the cost of keeping that community became higher than the, or became, yeah, higher than the cost of sort of everything that I was doing. And so that's when it kind of fully broke out for me, I think, is when I realized I was really just hurting myself by trying to stuff all those questions down. Um, similar in the sense of very long <laughs> process and journey. And for me, I don't think there were any particular major experiences or incidents, just a whole lot of things happening over a long period of time. But I do remember, maybe it was a moment of awareness. Um, I'd been married just a few months. This is 1987. And you two brought out um, the Joshua Tree album and... Remember, I bought vinyl and uh, sat at home and listened to it in a house for the first time. And when I listened to um, the song "Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For," I cried. I just it completely caught me, sort of left field. It's like, whoa, you know. But just that thing within me realizing, okay, I've been a Christian forever and I've been really involved in Christian things, and yet somehow something's not not quite right. Um, there were lots of different things. I'm, I'm a reader and so a lot of my deconstruction has come from books and a lot of my reconstruction has come from things that I've read. One of the books that really started, uh, I suppose, breaking things down for me was a book by F.F. Bruce called The Canon of Scripture. And um, I read this book that a friend gave me and I realized for the first time when I read this book, so you mean the holy scriptures inspired, given to us by God, were actually put together by a group of old men sitting around in a council to someone deciding, yeah, that's in, that's out, that's in, that's out. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I thought this book was somehow divinely inspired and handed to us as it was, a bit like the Quran. Um, and realizing that actually and it's a lot more human than that. It, 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 there's a lot more humanness behind the book than I had, had thought was... Um, quite a shock to me, but it, in a way it opened up what came afterwards. It's like, okay, so for me, the, the first step was revisiting, and it's important to this day, what kind of book is the Bible? For an evangelical Christian, that's a really, really important question. What kind of book is it? And therefore, what can we expect from this book? Um, the second thing is more recent. So when we came to Australia nearly 25 years ago, I remember as I began to understand a bit more about Australia's First Nations people and realising they'd been around here for around 60,000, 70,000 years. And in my evangelical upbringing, it's like, you know, it was Jesus or nothing. Um, and then there was some concessions made for the people in the Old Testament because they didn't have Jesus. But everyone else pretty well was probably had gone to hell before then. Um, and the thought occurred to me, look, if this, you know, Romans one eighteen about we can know God through what we see of God in the creation. If this is really true, what happened in those 70,000 years? Was God not interested in them? Could, how, you know, in my mind, it's sort of like they probably all went to hell because they didn't know Jesus. But becoming, becoming really uncomfortable with that thought and thinking, surely, and there are people before them, they're not the first, surely God was equally loving and interested in communicating with them. And if that's the case, surely we would expect them to be seeing that, hearing that and responding to that. Um, but until then, my kind of narrow understanding had pretty well um, discounted that. But 
anyway, so just a couple of things. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably. Um, I think different people have different experiences of questioning. Um, Raven, you mentioned that you're naturally analytical. You like the questions. Uh, for some of us, it's just like, holy heck, yeah, I want the stability. Um, but yeah, like, what was it? What was it like to go down the journey? What it? Yeah, what's that experience like for you? Oh God, I've got the mic. Um, three words: lonely, scary, and painful. Um, um, lonely because of not being understood by other people, being unable to talk about those things. Um, scary because you don't know what the end result will be. And I have a good close friend whose end result was atheism and not knowing it, if that would be where this would all end for me, not wanting it to go that way but not knowing. I'm scary because it affects relationships with other people, especially my beautiful wife who's watching via Zoom and worrying about what impact does this have on our relationship. She married me when I was like this, but I'm changing more than she is here. And uh, that's not her fault, but what impact does that have on our relationship? And also um, scary in terms of my children and right, wanting to raise children within the Christian faith. I don't want to put my burdens onto them Yet I have to be honest with them. I have to be open. I want to encourage them in their own faith. I don't have the right to mess up their burgeoning evangelical Christian faith with my issues. Um, and painful because for many, many years I was in a church and over a period of time that became, became painful for me. And I would, sit, I would sit there on a Sunday morning literally with my head like this with my fingers in my ears because I just couldn't stand it anymore. I just, it was just, it's hard to explain, but I couldn't take it. I just couldn't listen to this stuff anymore. And yet I didn't want to leave. I was aware of the impact that would have for Adrian and for my girls. And I hung in there for a long time. And eventually I said, David, look, I'm sorry. I can't, I just can't do this anymore. And then for, I think around eight years, um, they were there, you know, without me. That, that, that was painful for me. Um, um, yeah, so and the last thing is, you know, that Catholic, Catholic idea of the long, dark night of the soul. And I read books about it and they said, this could last several years or some people even 10 years. I tried 30, you know. It's like <laughs> it was long and dark in that sense and much, much longer than I, I would have liked. Yep. Uh yeah, uh, it was, I think in the beginning for me, it was terrifying. It was sort of lifting the lid on something and realizing that underneath it was far more complex than I ever thought. That stuff around canon and, oh my gosh, this book is not at all what I thought it was. And what are the implications? And I don't want to deal like that, just that fear. Um, but then I think, and that, that was just as I was beginning to explore it. Um, and then once I actually did kind of, for me, because I was in a, like a very Christian organization. My whole work, my whole life was around that. Once I decided um, that I was deconstructing, that I was queer and all these things, it meant, you know, leaving my community. It meant losing my job. It meant moving away. It meant essentially going through a breakup. Like the implications for my life were basically all encompassing. I think a lot of us in this room have experienced that. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was intense. Um, I mean, yeah, it kind of affected every area of my life, I think. And so it was probably the hardest, hardest decision or hardest thing that I had to choose to walk into that I've done, I think.
I, I did a whole fringe show about this, so <laughs> I, I won't I won't rehash all, all of that. But um, yeah, I th- I think f- for me it felt like um, a lot of my foundations had been shaken, um, and you know these these things that I had kind of built my life on, or these ideas or things that I had assumed were kind of cracks were showing and ideas were shaking and it's going okay w- w- what is there that still remains that I can hold on to or what or is or is there anything that is worth holding on to out of what what is left here um, and yeah trying to figure that out and navigate that while still very similarly to you I was you know in the midst of I was had just gotten married I had I was working at an Anglican church at the time, um, and so I was kind of in the midst of of all of this and going. This, these are things that could very much affect how I, you know, my relationships with with my family, which was all very Christian, um, and going. Okay, how? What? What do I want to do with this? How? How is this going to shake out? I don't really know. But this feels like it's important and I don't want to ignore this because I feel like that's just going to hurt and damage me and I don't want to do that and I don't want to try and um, live a, a, a fake life or a pretend life or try and, you know, after figuring out this truth about myself, just go and try and hide that. Um, you know, I did. I didn't didn't particularly feel like feel like doing that because I attempted to do that previously, and that 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 didn't go so well. Um, and so I had no interest in doing that, trying to do that again. Um, so yeah, that was that was a difficult process in 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 some respects. Um, um, but I was thankful for the various communities that I was able to find at the time that that kind of helped me through that process um, of of deconstruction. Um, yeah. Mm, it's interesting to hear the the threads of how important community is and the people around you and that, you know, faith is something that you do with people around you and community. And I hope people really like my uh, yarn, re-raveled yarn metaphor there of the threads of community. Um, just want to acknowledge that. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good. Out of everything in this conversation, that's what yeah. we should remember. I'm going to make this about me. Um, so tough journeys um, and big and, yeah, hearing a lot of resonation in the room as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you think that it is it important for people to deconstruct or reconstruct or question Christianity? Do you think it's a, a good thing to do, a necessary thing? Like, where do you stand on deconstruction as a something that's important or not? Yes. <laughs> and um, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think this is this is incredibly important. Um, I'm, I'm I'm biased, but. Um, I think that this is is something that is central to our faith for, for for many reasons. I mean, even if you just look look through the Bible, I mean, Old Testament Israel was the like, like literally the names 
they who struggle with God, right? There was this constant idea of these, these are people who have struggled with God in, in various ways. And you see, even in the New Testament, ideas changing and new, um, you know, these ideas of traditions that have been established for hundreds and thousands of years changing even over the course of the New Testament. Um, and so I think that, you know, some some people think that the idea of questioning faith is is sinful or is wrong, but I don't think that God wants us to have a blind faith. I don't think that God wants us to just have an inherited faith, to just believe things because that's what we've been told or believe things because that's what our parents did or what that's what the people around us did, and so we're just following along with that. I think that God wants us to have an informed faith and a deep faith and a faith that we've come through to through through questioning and through doubting and through wrestling with things. Um, yeah, I, I kind of preached on this at one point <laughs> back, so I, I'm, I'm a bit passionate about this. But um, there's, there's a verse in the Bible um, that a lot of people know where it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your soul and all your, all your mind. And I think a lot of people forget mind sometimes. You know, this idea that we love the Lord our God with all of our mind and to think about our faith and to go, does this make sense? Does, does this fit in terms of, of, of what, what I know and how I understand the world and how I, what I see in the people around me and what I see and understand of who God is and what I'm reading in the Bible and how all these things connect and relate? Um, and yeah, I, so I think, you know, if, if having a deep and living faith is something that Im, is important to us, I think that questioning and deconstruction and reconstruction needs to be an integral part of that, an important part of that. Yeah. I, when you sent the questions, I think this was the one that I struggled with the most interestingly, because I agree with everything that Raven just said at like a very core level. Um, like, and for me, it has. It's been an incredibly eye-opening experience and one that I wouldn't trade at all to have you know, this broader view of faith and a deeper understanding of it and an ability to claim it for myself, not just as something that someone's told me that I'm wrestling with. But at the same time, it's, oh, it's such a tough journey. <laughs> Um, and I don't necessarily, like, I kind of wish it on people, but I also kind of don't. And not everybody is in a place where they can carry it. Um, and so then I think I'm aware of that. And I'm also aware, I think, because I held so strongly to my faith, like, my evangelical faith, and have kind of had to come to a place of, like, we're all human, we're all really limited, and we're all really finite. And so even though now I have kind of gotten to some place of reconstruction and it's still a process like I still don't really know much <laughs> like, and so then I don't necessarily know that I can be like yes everybody needs to go <laughs> like it's kind of just like trying to carry that humility as well but I don't know but at the same time being like but I really do want everybody to go through what I've been through so it's this I feel conflicted I guess about the question um, when I read the question and it said you know, should everyone deconstruct their faith? My response is no, um, not to be recommended. And the reason I say that is that, like, 
if you if you look at if you own a house and you check it periodically just to make sure there's no termites and whatever, if a part of that house you find some termites or some rot, you fix it, you repair that part. If you find there are termites or rot in the foundations or riddling the whole house, then you might be looking at a total reconstruct deconstruction and rebuild. But if if the rot if the problem isn't that deep, then I I kind of think mm, maybe not. You know so. Coming back, though, should we question and should we critique? I think always and yes. And I think particularly for those of us that grew up within some form of Christian family or faith or church or whatever, I think it's really incumbent on us to go back and, and check those things out once we are in a place of maturity and it's part of our own development and, and growth. Whether a complete rebuild is knockdown rebuild is needed is... is not going to be the case for everybody and I certainly wouldn't go looking for it as we would all attest it's it's not fun you know so um does that make sense so yeah 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 I uh it'd be nice if there was just all really well designed houses out there with good foundations that the maintenance person comes along and um, but I did think about this recently because I um, I bought a Rachel Held Evans storybook for my niece who will be one year old soon. And I was like, you never have to be exposed to bad theology. That is a thing that... why we do what we do. Yeah. But then also... Like, there'll always be bad theology and I'll always have something wrong too. Like, there's always a little, like, termite waiting in the wings that needs some maintenance, you know. But, um, I, yeah, I think I feel like I don't want people to have to go through it, but I don't want people to have to be hurt by our faith. Um, and so I'm like, it's important, but, yeah, gosh, it's a hard journey that I don't wish on anyone. Yeah. Um, I think you've talked about the some of the challenges of deconstructing and reconstructing. Feel free to pick up on some more if you wanted to, but I kind of wanted to combine the next question that I had for you is like, what are the challenges? Um, but I also really love to hear what are the joys um, and pick up what are the joys of deconstructing, reconstructing, but feel free to, if you had um, some other challenges that you wanted to highlight too to put them in. Uh, yeah, I feel like I talked about the challenges, so I'm happy to shift to the joys. Um, yeah, there's there's so much that's been beautiful about the journey. Um, I think uh, the f one of the real joys for me is being able to live at peace with myself. Um, because it was a long deconstruction journey, uh, I spent a lot of time in conflict. Um, with my brain and my logic telling me one thing and me refusing to kind of, me not being able to kind of uh, sit with that because it was going to throw too much out of my life. Um, but actually being able to get to a space where I realized I don't actually have to believe this if it doesn't make sense um, was just so life-giving. Um, not that I get to determine on my own what is right and wrong, but more just that sort of like, wow, this really does not make any sense and I don't have to believe it. Wow. Um, it was, yeah, it, was, it still gives me so much joy. Um, and I think along with that, uh, this recognition of my own agency, I think I grew up in my faith and I felt like 
there's this truth that is set and this is what I need to believe. And I was kind of, I was like, yep, okay, like this is what it is. Um, and the idea that I actually had sort of the choice or the agency to actually believe what made sense to me wasn't there. But I remember I was listening to a podcast with Brian McLaren and he was talking about kind of the stages of faith um, and how, you know, he kind of talks about starting off with in infancy and kind of being in that sort of, yep, I just believe what I'm told and sort of moving through this journey of maturity where you um, start to ask questions and then you actually have to decide for yourself, this is what I believe. And I think it just really shifted my brain because I was like, oh, like I am actually responsible for what I believe. Even if in the past I've thought I wasn't, I actually still am. And even if I'm not, I am just relying on someone else's decisions. So at the end of the day, it's just a human who's decided or a group of humans. Um, and oh, whoa, like we're all just humans trying to figure this out. And I think I just have so much, like it's terrifying to recognize that, but also so liberating to be like, yeah, we're all just a bunch of humans who don't know what we're doing and we're trying to figure it out. Um, and I, I just love that. Um, it takes so much of the pressure off, I feel like, of trying to figure out what is, what is the right thing to believe. Um, yeah. I think those have been a couple of things. And just the, the community of people that you meet and all the new ideas that you get exposed to has just been such a joy. Yeah, um, I will go quickly on a couple of challenges. Um, I think a couple of you, have, you've kind of already touched on, I think one of the challenges can be if you're trying to do deconstruction alone or unguided, I think that can be really difficult because it's, it's one thing to be able to go, oh, this, this is no longer true or I don't think that this is right or good. It's a very different thing to try and figure out, well, then what is true and right and good if you don't have some sort of guide or, or community to be able to help you do that. Um, so I think that that can be a big challenge for some people. Um, so I was I was really grateful. Um, I found a resource fairly early on called Queer Theology, which some of you might be familiar with. Um, and I also was reading a book by Joel McHero called Woven, which also helped me through a lot of my um, deconstruction, reconstruction journey, um, which helped there. Um, but I think um, the bigger challenge for me wasn't so much in the deconstruction itself. It was more in after I had deconstructed going the, the, you know, the life that I have been living and the life that I want to live are very apart from each other and it's going to be a long journey to get from one to the other and I'm going to need to change a lot about how I live to get there and that's going to be a difficult process. You know, now that I've deconstructed around, you know, changed my beliefs about what it is and how I should be living my life and all of these things going, okay, I need to change so many things. I, I need to, you know, I had to separate from my partner. I needed to move away from the job that I was working at the Anglican church. And a lot of the relationships and things that I had at the time kind of fell to the side. And, it's, and so that was a long and difficult process, but that wasn't so much the deconstruction itself, but it was as a result of the deconstruction going, okay, I need to change the way that I'm living to reflect what I now believe um, and what I now think is, is right and true and good or what I think is, is closer to that because I'm, I'm trying to hold things a lot more loosely these days than I used to. Um, in terms of the joys, um, I think 
one big one for me, it was just the relief, I think is the right word, of being able to go, oh, I, I don't have to tr try and hold to this old idea anymore because I think there was a lot of um, beliefs um, in the past that I was told, you know, you, you need to believe that this is true and you need to hold that this is true. And I was just constantly wrestling with them and having to go, oh, I don't have to wrestle with this anymore. I don't have to try and defend this anymore. I can just let let that go and let that um, let let that disappear. And I don't have to try and, and keep fighting for these beliefs that I don't believe in. And I can start fighting for beliefs that I do believe in and that I do think are important. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of relief ar around that, not having to, to hold to things that felt harmful, um, either to myself or to other people. Um, and yeah, as, as Jess was saying, also the, just the joy of finding new communities and, and new life um, is, has been really incredible. Um, yeah. Just a couple of quick challenges I didn't really mention before. In terms of the loneliness thing, part of that is just for me, I lost contact with God. Not that I wanted to, I just felt I couldn't pray because I don't know where that word is going. So it just that dried up, that sense of closeness that I'd felt, that relationship with God, with Jesus just uh, kind of disappeared. That's a pretty lonely place to be in as well. And the second thing I just wanted to mention, for me there's a little bit of guilt, um, which I suppose I continue to wrestle with in terms of Christian ministry that we'd been involved in, sermons I preached, things I taught in youth ministry, and kind of feeling like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> a lot of that was a crock, you know, really. And how many people did I lead astray, you know, um, I think about even with my own daughters and different things that, you know, seem so important. And, yeah, so a little bit of kind of not massive guilt burdening me, but it's there, just that sense of, ooh, okay, <laughs> what damage have I done? Um, but the joys, yes. Um, for me, it's uh, the biggest thing has just been, and can I just add that from the process of reconstruction for me is about, three or four years old, really. And remember, this whole deconstruction began in my 20s, so I'm in early days, so a lot of work to do. But um, I think it's just been a freedom, a liberty, some shackles, just I don't have to sort of wear this stuff anymore. You know, that, that has been a huge joy or liberation. And, and with that has been letting go of a God that's based on fear rather than love has been huge. Little things like the ability to get excited about science as an ally, not as an enemy, um, as I probably had imbibed or been taught. Um, you know, here's a weird thing is that I have loved the, the, the freedom I have given myself not to have to evangelize anybody anymore, the freedom not to have to share my faith with people. And at the same time, I've now got this wonderful freedom to actually do it not because anyone's telling me to or not because I feel like I've got to convert this person or they're going to hell because they might step out in front of a bus if I don't talk to them, you know, or if I, I mean, but the freedom to actually talk to someone as a human being and just say, hey, look, if you're interested, this is where I'm at, you know, this is what I'm thinking, where are you at, what's your journey, what's your spiritual journey, and sharing things on a level and not sort of 
I've got the answers. You need to sit down and strap in and listen or you're going to hell. So that's been a really um, liberating joy for me. Um, and can I say, really, you know, um, if this, if, if um, I can bring Bryony into this, hope she doesn't mind, but if our daughter Bryony's coming out, which is about two years ago now, if it had happened 10 or 15 years ago, it would have been really difficult for me. It would have been really messy because my thinking and theology 15, 20 years ago would not have had space for that. So I'm really grateful. That's been a joy for me, for us, because we've been in a space where we've been ready to accept that. Um, and, and not only that, one of the joys has been journeying with Bryony and a lot of the reading that I've done over the last few years has come, we've done together. And so she... She is now ministering, use that evangelical term, back to her old man. And she is sharing with me books and authors that I never would have been exposed to otherwise. So that, that's been a joy to have that journey and that sort of reverse in a way you teach your child, um, um, being taught by a child. That's been really cool. Um, I wanted to connect in with some of those and just share some of my challenges and joys, if that's okay, if people will give me the liberty. Um, because uh, I, yeah, I was just thinking about the the weightiness of the faith, um, and a challenge being realizing how, and I'm going to use the word violent because I think it is appropriate, but how violent the the faith that I used to believe in was, and how I realized, oh, I still believe things that are really hurting other people, like particularly as someone who is white living on stolen land, um, and realizing my beliefs are, are treating people in the same way that I've been, I've felt. Um, so realising my complicity in it, and I think that's why I think deconstruction is an important thing to do, because I think it's decolonising work that is happening across a lot of institutions at the moment, and in, particularly in these lands called Australia. Um, but then, yeah, just the, the journey from thinking God is here in that little place with that community only, and then journeying out and realising God is everywhere and with all and in all and through all and, whoa, God is big. And then, like, uh, being just genuinely wanting to share life with other people and not feeling like there's uh, an agenda that you have to have with someone else and actually just being like, I, I'm getting a lot of life and I'm just bubbling over with that um, and there's a real sense of lightness and freedom that comes with that um, and just you know being able to do that so um, just wanted to join the conversation <laughs> um, so uh, thank you so much for sharing all of your stories with us tonight um, I asked each of you as we conclude if there is um, a Bible passage or some form of a piece of literature uh, that gives you hope through the waves. Um, so, yeah, would you mind sharing? Um, look, I'm not yet at a point where I'm able to really sit down and read the Bible. I, I will, I hope. But, um, but I, I've read um, some really awesome authors, some of most of whom will be familiar with you, Pete Enns, Brian McLaren, Rachel Howard Evans, uh, Marcus Borg, Richard Rohr. And, and one thing I'd like to just pick up from that is, is something that Richard Rohr, in, in my sort of low point and wondering how this is all going to end, 
Um, I used to have this, it was some evangelical thing, I don't remember the caption, but poster on my wall, and it was a rope with a knot in the end, and there was a kitten hanging off the, one of those 70s sort of things. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, hang in there. So, um, Richard Rohr has this, well, in one of his books, I don't even remember which one, asks the question, which became a fundamental question for me, is, is this, is the world enchanted? Which might seem like a weird question, but... Um, to me, that was like, okay, so at the end of all of this, I can let go of so many, so many things. What's the, what's the knot at the end of my rope? And I realized it was this, this question. Is the world enchanted? Is what we can see, touch, scientifically research, is that all there is? And I thought to myself deeply, you know, I, don't want, I can't live in a world like that. So for me, the answer is no. That whatever I don't understand, whatever is, there is this divine, this something, this knot. Uh, at the end of the rope and that was a really has been a really important thing for me to hold on to so um, I you know as I said my friend's conclusion was atheism and I thought no that's not my end my, my knot and my rope is at very very least the world is enchanted is infused with the divine I'll start from there and whatever you know work forward from there so thank you Richard Raw. Uh, yeah, this was such a hard question to answer because I just have so many uh, quotes or like, yeah, there's just so many incredible people who have been on this journey um, that I've got to learn from. And um, yeah, it's just so hard to choose. So I have two. Um, one is from, there's a podcast that I've become obsessed with called Turning to the Mystics um, that uh, is just all about different uh, like mostly Catholic contemplatives and this guy James Finley walks you through them and um, the first season is all about Thomas Merton um, and he has this quote where he just says um, with uh, something like uh, with God a little sincerity goes a long way um, and I've really held on to that idea that I just have to bring my full self of where I am um, to God to the divine to whatever that's all I can bring um, in any given moment is is my sincere self. Um, and I think that's been really important. It's a place that I found a lot of comfort in. Um, another one is a quote by a guy called John Caputo. Um, he's like a deconstruction philosopher. Um, but I heard him on a Bible for Normal People podcast. Um, and I'll just read the quote because it's meant a lot to me. Um, deconstruction is not a determinant position a definite what or worldview, a manifesto or a platform or a set of positions, theistic or atheistic, but a how, a way of holding a position, a way of being underway or being on a path. Deconstruction is rather more of a ghost, adding a specter to the spirit whose lead we are trying to follow. It provides an unsettling reminder about how to hold any given position, about how not to hold any given position, about how not to hold it in too settled a way, with too much complacency and self-assuredness, and about allowing ourselves to be held. Um, and that last line, like allowing ourselves to be held, I think that's what I've encountered in my deconstruction journey as everything has been stripped away and I don't actually <laughs> know at different points, what is my worldview and how do I, what is it that I actually believe? But at the same time, just feeling incredibly held by something, someone, um, and uh, not necessarily having words to describe that sense, but knowing like, that as I walk with humility and in that sincerity that I am held. Um, and that's meant a lot to me.
Yeah. Um, yeah, I, f- I found this question difficult because I don't know if I have a specific thing that I come back to regularly. Um, but certainly, like, while I was kind of in the midst of that deconstruction process, that book that I mentioned, uh, Woven by Joel McCarrow, um, did a really good job of kind of taking me through really gently this whole journey of going, you know, you've started off, you know, with with these ideas and they served you for a time and then you kind of everything like unravels and falls apart. But then there's also a time of we being able to weave things back together into something new and something beautiful. And, you know, particularly while I was going through that period of unraveling and and deconstructing just having that idea that there was, you know, in the future going to be a time when I could start pulling the strands back together and weaving things back together and having some sort of idea of going, well, yes, there is now something that I can hold on to and maybe that's not as concrete as it was before or as defined as, as it was before, but it's still something that I think is, is worth believing in and, and worth staying here for, you know, that, that idea I think kept me, kept me going and, kept, and gave me a bit of hope of going, yes, this is, this is worth doing. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm appreciating the, uh, in the unknown, there's still a, a knot or, you know, there is God, there is, you know, something there that's holding me or, you know, it's, it's there. I don't, I don't know what it is, but that being a version of faith, like, and that being faith um, and full faith. Um, for me, it was very similar. I described my journey as like someone pulling a rug out from underneath me and then I landed on the rock. Um, and mine was uh, Psalm 18, which was like all I knew for years and nothing else. Like, don't ask me anything about what I believe, but it was just like, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I know nothing else, but just I'm standing here and you're here too. And that's it. Um, yeah. And I think that's a... Uh, a, a beautiful place to kind of end this conversation of a God who holds all um, in the unknown. And thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. Say thank you with a little clap. Thank you.